Did I press the right button? Good morning again. Who enjoyed last week's preach? Yes, Brandon. Unfortunately, I, I wasn't here, but uh, for those uh, that weren't here either, I got the notes, so that, so that was good. Um, th- so we're, we're starting a series, well, we started last week, Dare to Believe, and the, the theme, because we're working through the book of Mark at the moment, and this section of Mark across chapter 4 and chapter 5 is a miracle in itself, because if you were here last year, we did Galatians, and we only got up to chapter 4. Anyway, <laughs> side note. So chapter 4 and chapter 5 is all about miracles that are, that are happening. So dare to believe is a, is a challenge for us to see the miracles of Jesus and, and dare to believe that what he saw there is what we can see today. So to set the scene for us, I'm going to invite David to uh, read for us this morning, Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. Please welcome David this morning. Thanks, Nathan. <clears throat> Mark 5, 1 to 20, New International Version. Jesus restores a demon-possessed man. They went across the lake to the region of Geranesis. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons off his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him, them out to the, the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside, and the demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Thank you, David. Very powerful story. Before we go any further, I'll just pray. Jesus, we thank you for your presence this morning. 
We thank you for this story, what it meant for that man 2,000 years ago to be restored, and what it can mean for us today. We pray your word touches every heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, last week, uh, Brendan was talking about Jesus calming the storm. The, the story of the, Jesus saying, let's go to the other side, and he's asleep in the boat, and the storms come, and the disciples are freaking out. And using the example of things, uh, there might be storms in life, and, and we might think things aren't looking rosy, but Jesus is asleep, and we kind of go, what, what the heck, what's going on? But he's actually asleep because he knows everything's okay, and he's in control, and so he doesn't need to panic, so we don't need to panic because he's just chilling out with the pillow in the corner of the boat. And so Brandon challenged us. He had three dares for us. to One, to dare us to go off-road. Dare to trust him like the disciples didn't at first. And dare to let him work through us. So over this three-week series of Dare to Believe, uh, the messages are all around miracles, as I said before. So last week was the miracle of calming the storm. So miracles of uh, dealing with physical things, atmospheric things, just the weather and, and, and life and all these things around us. Next week, we'll go into stories of healing. But today, we're talking about this man who was restored. Jesus restored this man from demon possession which uh, gives us today's title of Restored. Dare to believe, Restored. See, the thing is that the stories are actually very much connected and, and sometimes we, we go, oh, that's chapter four, this is chapter five and we, we're reading through it. And uh, or If you're in, in the, um, the paper Bible, um, then it might be yeah, the big numbers there. But if you're in the app Bible, it's kind of you have to flick a page to get to the next chapter and so it's quite separate. But... Here we have that Jesus says, let's go to the other side, and the storm comes, and the disciples don't know what's going on. Jesus is asleep in the boat, and they're freaking out. And the whole point, it's, it's only half the story. So he's saying, trust in me, trust what's, that everything's going to be okay, because I'm with you. I, I said, let's go in the boat, so we're going to get to the other side, because I asked you to come with me, so it's going to be okay. We're going to get to the other side, because on the other side is this man who needs us. So it's an encouragement and a challenge for us this morning. As Brandon said last week, you might go through valleys. You might feel like you are in a storm. You might feel like you're, you're trudging constantly through valleys. But the, the encouragement for us is, I wonder what's on the other side. Yeah. I wonder who that man is on the other side that needs us to come through that storm, to come through that valley. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's someone in the community. Maybe it's someone in the church. But Jesus, his whole intention, it wasn't just to teach the disciples about trusting in him and, and everything will be okay through the storm. It's saying everything's going to be okay through the storm because there's a bigger purpose in mind. There's something on the other side of that storm. Because in Mark 4.35, the start of that story, he said that day when, uh, when evening came, he said to the disciples, let us go to the other side, the other side of the lake. And when they get out of the boat, the man with the impure spirit comes to them. 
So the storm tried to prevent Jesus from achieving his goal. Maybe you're in storms, maybe you're in valleys at the moment. All they are is the work of the devil, the work of circumstance trying to stop you from achieving your goal, from Jesus trying to achieve his goal through you. So in Mark, in Mark 5, uh, continue on into verse 2. A man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one is strong enough to subdue him. Reminds me a little bit of myself sometimes. <laughs> anyway, you might feel like that after you go to the gym sometimes, but uh, the, the, then the pain hits in. But the, in all seriousness, this is um, some serious strength to break chains and ropes and, and not be able to be controlled by anybody. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. This isn't a positive picture. This is a picture of a life that is cast aside, is destitute, has no hope. This is a picture of a life that is being consumed by the devil. Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, talking about the devil, referring to him as the thief, he says, A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Or have it to the full. See, this man was demon-possessed. and It's a simple phrase. and It might sound a little complex and some churches might not necessarily or some Christians might not want to talk about this stuff other than kind of reading through it. But it is a reality. It was a reality for this man and it is something that does happen and sometimes it may make us feel uncomfortable to acknowledge or talk about these things. But as the great 20th century writer and Christian thinker, C.S. Lewis, put it, there are two equal and opposite errors we can fall into concerning demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased with both errors. See, we'll, we'll talk about it today and, and there's no other way to talk about this story than to talk about a man who was demon-possessed. Uh, I, I could talk about a man who was living in, in, the, in a graveyard and Jesus came and said, hey, everything's going to be okay. You know, everything's going to be all right and, and you'll be cool. But there was a reason he was like that and there was a whole bunch of circumstances. So we cannot talk about the passage accurately without acknowledging that. And it... Because we're very much in a world that is... A spiritual world, often particularly in maybe a, a Western intellectual mindset, where we, we can figure everything out. We have our life plans. I can't remember, I was watching some movie the other day, um, and, and there was just some character in it that said this certain thing could not happen uh, because it wasn't in their life plan. At this point in their life, they wanted to have this, this, and that. They want to be married, kids, house. But uh, this other relationship hadn't happened and th th this can't happen because it's life plan. I haven't worked it out. It, it doesn't match because we like to figure things out. We have a world of information, a supercomputer in our pockets. We have everything we need access to. We have uh, studies, universities, schools, all sorts of information. And if we don't like the kind of information we're finding, we can just go to a different website and find some other information that agrees with us. <laughs> 
See, it, it is good to talk about it, to acknowledge it, to understand, because in the end, Jesus won the battle. He won the war, and we have the power through Jesus to overcome all of these circumstances. And that is the point of this morning. See, many times we're talking about miracles and we go, oh, you know, the miracles we, we like to hear about are the ones where, you know, the money's left in the letterbox, <laughs> where, where the money comes into the bank account unknowingly, where, where somebody, uh, where there's a hamper of food is given, where, where pr- miracle provision or maybe healing, maybe, you know, someone had a broken arm and it, it got healed miraculously and they could take off the cast or somebody was in crutches or they were pulled out of a wheelchair. That sort of miracle. But Jesus calmed the storm. He set the waters still. He set the winds still. And there's other ones talking about, you know, you can speak to a mountain and see it moved. And, and here we've got a man who's possessed by demons. And, but often Jesus, the examples of where he's healing people and seeing them uh, have miraculous things, that their sight restored and being able to walk and had been paralyzed for life. This, the stories that talk about this, it says he went into a town and he healed many people and he cast out demons. It's all in one sentence. It's all very normal. It's all very... I mean, if healing's normal for you, then so should casting out demons and, and uh, seeing people restored through the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's just natural. It's not... It shouldn't be weird. Um, it's just part of Christian life to have heard about it and see sometimes it might not be might not have seen that sort of thing and it doesn't have to be big and graphic but it can be the Holy Spirit coming into our life and turning a life around where an addiction is broken straight away or just gradually the Holy Spirit is allowed to move into somebody's life where the behaviors are changing and the addictions or the the patterns of this world that the things that they have done and previously are slowly shifted out other verses in the Bible talk about a house being swept clean and you've got to make, it's like your, your life is a house and there's individual rooms. And you've got to make room for Jesus. You've got to make room for the Holy Spirit. Because there might be a room that's got addiction in it. You've got to clear that one out. There might be a room that uh, refers to your, your love of money. You've got to let Jesus come into that one and the Holy Spirit come in and take control of that one. There might be one, a room that has relationships. You've got to let him come in. And sometimes it can be a gradual thing. Sometimes it can be an instant thing where it's all cleared, but then the patterns of life and behaviours have to still change. That wasn't even in my notes. <laughs> See, in, in Mark 5, th- this man that's there that says that he, uh, he's exhibiting some telltale characteristics of the work of the devil, just to steal, kill and destroy. Firstly, he's living in the tombs surrounded by death. He was there for one of two reasons. He was either banished there by the townspeople because they couldn't control him, they couldn't understand. He was too physically strong, they didn't know what to do. So they're like, well, we've got no other answers. So we just go over there, we can pretend you don't exist. We'll go to the place where no one wants to go. Or maybe the demon forced him to go there because to be in a graveyard or to touch a grave in Jewish culture is to be unclean for seven days. So it creates this vicious cycle like addictions and, and uh, bad behaviours and, and patterns can do. The fact that he was there, he would naturally, stumbling around, touch a graveyard, be unclean for seven days and couldn't be around other people and would need to go through a cleansing cycle. But then he might make it through a few days and then touch another graveyard. So he had to stay there. It was a cycle 
often like patterns of behaviour and addictions and, and maybe the, the demons that we have in our head and things in our circumstance, they keep us sucked in. It's like this vortex that you yeah. cannot get out of. It was a repeating cycle. He became too unclean to be with the people that might have sent him there in the first place. He was also isolated, which refers to like a social death. Because he was there, if anyone's been isolated by themselves, maybe at work you're the only one who thinks a certain way. So socially you're kind of different outcast. Maybe in a group of friends or at a school or university in, in your family you're the only Christian. You're the only one who believes a certain type of... It, it can be like you're, you're socially out there. Or if you're by yourself and you try and go away from church or away from people around you that can speak uh, encouragement into your life. If anyone's experienced depression, you often feel isolated and you're in your own head and in your own thoughts. And then that makes you more isolated because... The last thing you want to do when you're depressed is talk to other people. So then you isolate yourself more. And then it becomes this cycle, keeps you away. So he was in social isolation. So it's hard to kind of get restored, get fixed when you're physically removed from a situation and away from people that might give you some accountability and encouragement and pick you up and gather around you. Because the people didn't want to do that and and the demon was keeping him away. The second thing, he had supernatural strength. He couldn't be shackled or restrained. Breaking chains and ropes, as we said before. Thirdly, he was crying out night and day. It's the type of behavior that might bring shame or embarrassment upon a person or their family. And by, uh, by deduction, we could assume that he might have been naked or only semi-clothed, because later on, We'll get to, he was fully clothed. It references he was fully clothed later on. So there's a couple of things here that this crying out could bring shame or maybe it's putting fear on other people because who, who's this wild thing in the graveyard in the, amongst the tombstones that's yelling out night and day and running around half naked? It's just kind of weird stuff. See, the devil was stealing his dignity and bringing shame and embarrassment upon him and his family. And the fourth things, the fourth thing from steal, kill, and destroy, he was cutting himself with stones. He was destroying his body. Behaviors of self-harm and self-destructive behavior, and possibly suicidal. That's the work of the devil. And I don't want to give it too much credence because, or too much talk about it too much like I said before because the power of Jesus can overcome these things. So the work of the devil is to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus says I come to give you life and life to the full. Or some versions say life in abundance. See that's, that's not a life that is for anybody. That's not a life for any, anyone should live. So Jesus says let's go to the other side. I know there's a storm coming. I'm going to rest. I need some rest. I'm going to be in the boat. Just figure it out. Maybe speak to the storm or just have faith that we're going to get to the other side. We need to get through the storm. You need to get through the storm. You need to get through the valley because on the other side is somebody that needs Jesus. Somebody is having a life that the devil has come and st stolen. He's killed. He's destroyed. He's tearing things apart. But if we come through that storm, if we come through that valley, 
we can bring Jesus' word into that situation. See, in verse 6, it said, When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. See, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I like to think of it in different ways, because it's like, you know, my name is Legion. It's kind of this, this mix between this uh, Australian Kiwi accent, my, la- my name is Legion, for we are many. But maybe it sounds a bit more like, my name is Legion, for we are many. <laughs> I've watched a few too many movies. Maybe it's a bit more like, My name is Legion, for we are many. I, just know, I should have actually checked if there are any kids in the room. <laughs> just our son. <laughs> just our son. It's all right, he knows my voice. He's not too familiar with that version of it. <laughs> So here's this man possessed by many demons, and he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. Why is this important? Uh, It it tells us that this wasn't a Jewish community, because Jewish people do not eat pigs, and pigs are highly unclean animals. So in the story of the prodigal son, when the man ended up, the son ended up at the lowest of the low, uh, trying to eat the the food of pigs, that's the lowest you can get in, in, in life, uh, hanging around unclean animals. It's kind of another version of bad like in this situation. But it's really cool because it's Jesus, is the whole thing, he's gone across the lake, through the storm, challenging people, the disciples about their faith to go to the other side because he's reaching out beyond his people. He's reaching out to somebody who needs them so much that He's starting to, to break out, out of the immediate culture and reach to somebody that others, that the people around him wouldn't want to reach anyway because he's from a different nationality. Verse 12, the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. Interesting that he's got that much authority that they cannot until he says they can. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. 2,000 of them. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Other versions say off the cliff. I think it's the first example I can see in history of pigs flying. <laughs> or are those that are familiar with Toy Story? It's falling with style. <laughs> But Buzz couldn't fly, just filling, it, filling in the gaps for, for those that didn't know. So Buzz thought he could fly, but he couldn't. And so, so the pigs go down, down the bank or off the cliff into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town on the countryside. And people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. So this man went from running, 
yelling, disturbed, crazy, any sort of label you want to put on this sort of behavior. So he was seated, he was in his right mind, and he was peaceful. In a word, he was restored. The Holy Spirit, the power of Jesus, had taken a life from anarchy to peace. Restored. See, that's the transformation that comes from an encounter with Jesus and the peace of his Holy Spirit. See, even right now, his Holy Spirit's in this room, bringing peace to situations and peace to people's hearts. You might feel like there's anarchy going on around you. His Holy Spirit is, is moving even right now. See, Jesus saves us from living among the dead. This man was living in tombstones and in a graveyard. He was living, but he may as well have pretty much been dead. That kind of life. But even when the situation was so desperate, Jesus still saw enough value to push through that storm to get across the lake just for this one man. So no matter how desperate it seems for you, for us, anybody here this morning, anybody around you, Jesus says you're worth it. But why was their reaction to that of being afraid? Was it the man that they couldn't control? So they had no other to put in a graveyard? Was it just that they, he was suddenly okay and they didn't know why and they couldn't deal with the fact that they had nothing to do with the solution and there was something else that had the solution? Maybe they were afraid of the power. Who is this person that can do, fix up and restore in a moment? Or maybe they fear that if Jesus can kill 2,000 pigs, then what else could he do? He didn't really kill 2,000 pigs, but you can imagine if it happened today, the social media outcry, <laughs> the court of public opinion. Here's this religious leader who's into animal cruelty. <laughs> Wait, quick, somebody create a PETA campaign. Let's, let's, let's contact the World Wildlife Fund, RSPCA. 2,000 pigs. You'd see the headlines everywhere. What else could this Jesus do? But see, they were more concerned about losing their pigs than they were about the life of a human and seeing him restored. Verse 16, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. See, they were okay, they were curious, they were sort of fearful when they came out and saw this man restored and what was this going on? There's a, a lot of power at play. But then the others that saw what had happened told them about the pigs. All right, okay. That, that's the straw that, that's one too many. Go away, Jesus. You killed 2,000 pigs. You were instrumental in this this major situation. See, the pigs might represent their livelihood, their lifestyle, their familiar or comfortable place. 
Maybe some of them tended them and it was their, their way of income. Maybe it was a source of food. It was everything about their lifestyle and what they were comfortable in knowing. But their reaction mirrors that of the unclean spirits who wanted to be kept in the region. Just as the demons implored Jesus not to send them out of the region, the Gerasenes now implore him to depart from the region. Their strategy for dealing with this man who had been possessed by a demon matches their response to Jesus. Supernatural power that cannot be controlled must be kept at arm's length. Scary thought. And, and maybe some of us might feel like that in life. There's like what we don't understand. It's just, it's just easier just to do A plus B. Just to you know, get to on the, on the road, just and the maths formula rather than the, the, the creative. It, it just needs a way of working out that I can follow. Because sometimes the supernatural can be might feel weird or different or it might challenge us or it might stretch us into a place of faith or believing for a miracle or something different. It's very easy just to keep doing the status quo, the same thing, day after day. It raises a question for us, what is our natural reaction to those that might be perceived as those we can't control or when supernatural power turns up? So what if this man was in our neighbourhood, lived in our street, walked in the doors of our church? What would our reaction be? we wouldn't necessarily be able to control like if walking down the street. Maybe if coming into church, you know, we have right of entry or we, you know, we might pray for that person and look after them and protect those around. But, you know, do we have somebody like that in our street, our, our neighbourhood, somebody that's kind of a castaway that's kept in the corner in their own house and we just kind of cross the road and walk down the street or... You know, they're walking down the aisle of the shops and we kind of go the other way. I don't know, just posing a hypothetical question. Or maybe when supernatural power turns up, what's our reaction? We see the work of Jesus and, and maybe, you know, the, the religious side of us will see somebody come into church that's addicted to drugs and, and other behaviours and maybe have committed crimes or done things that we might think uncon- inconceivable for somebody to do. But then Jesus comes into their life and transforms them and restores them. And here we may be who spent years in church or maybe grown up in church and have always done the right thing. And here's this person getting lifted up and, and, and in front of people. And just do, like, do we praise Jesus that a life has been transformed? Or do we get jealous that oh, they're getting attention and like... You know, I've been faithful all these years. I've done all the, all the right things. Now, which way do we go? Do we celebrate the life transformed or do we kind of go to the fleshly side and go, well, what about me? See, our, our world needs supernatural power, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus asks us to carry that. There are enough other powers, like C.S. Lewis said, we can pretend it doesn't exist, maybe stick our head in the sand. There are many things in the world our society tries to have answers for. But the reality is without understanding spiritual things, can't fix real issues. The world needs spirit-powered churches and spirit-powered Christians. You know, many people around will have opinions on how to fix things. There's enough people on Facebook that have enough opinions on how to fix every political situation. And, and uh, yeah, but there's... 
there's a spiritual side to them. In Ephesians 6, it says our battle is not against uh, physical things, but against powers and principalities. There is a supernatural spiritual world. I've experienced it numerous times with uh, you know, people, it might be people you work with, where you have these clashes, and it's not necessarily a personality clash. There's a, there can be a spirit behind the person or something, the devil is trying to stop you achieving in work, trying to stop you raising up and being successful. There are things we need to be aware of, spiritual realities, to, to pray armed with the right information. See, the end game is restoration, to be restored. And the challenge for us is to, is to dare to believe that, that we can be restored or those around us can be restored. The man was clothed, same, and in peace. But then he wanted to join Jesus. But Jesus told him, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Go home to his own people. The very people that had put him in the graveyard in the first place. The very people that had made him an outcast and said, we can't handle, we don't know, we don't have the answers. Just stay over there. It says, go home to your own people. So he was restored because this emphasizes his physical and social reintegration back into the society. And what's really cool and completely stuffs your mind up, if you think about it too much, is Jesus commissions this former demoniac, is where the demon-possessed man, you know, this, this man might have had addictions or internal demons, all sorts of things, whatever label you want to put on it, the man that was cutting himself and, and depressed, self-harm, suicidal, whatever, any of the, those labels, he commissions him to be a missionary immediately to a group of people who had just rejected him. Neither were worthy. The man wasn't worthy. The people weren't worthy to have the man back. But that didn't stop Jesus because he's got a, a greater end game. See, none of us are worthy. None of us are worthy of his love. None of us can earn any of it. Just as Jesus restored this man, he has restored many of us in this room. And he can restore anybody that's here today. Anybody that might be listening on the podcast. Jesus can restore anybody. See, my one and only point for today is Jesus wants us restored. Things might have been stolen. The devil might have stolen, killed something in our life, destroyed something. But Jesus wants us restored. Firstly, restored in life, to have life in abundance, and life to the full, but ultimately to be restored to him and to relationship with him, which gives us eternal life. A few years ago, I, went, I visited Byron Bay. Um, I, was, no, I wouldn't think, say something funny about Byron Bay. Um, but we, we, we visited for a, a, a group from college. We went to do a backyard blitz and partner with C3 in Byron Bay. There was this young couple that uh, were struggling financially, but we, we were just there to bless the church. We did a backyard blitz for them, and they had this cool uh, kid. He was four or five months, I think, at the time. And then... Um, so that, that was one year, I think in 2006 it was. 
a year later, got asked to, when we, our college went back and to the same church, I got asked to preach at a night and do a night of miracles, uh, coincidentally, which is funny. Um, and this couple were there and I was preaching, talking about miracles, and, and then I discovered that about a month after we had visited the year before, their son had died, of cot, I think it was cot death, or SIDS. And so there, this couple, we're on the front row a, a year later. And I can, I can relate to that story a whole lot more now than I, I could back then, having two and three-quarter children. <laughs> By the way, four weeks off isn't calm and looking fantastic and <laughs> leading the service this morning. So they had lost their, their only son. You know, that would be absolutely devastating. I, I, I couldn't fathom but there they were on the front row a year later and, and the word for them that was everything that had been stolen would be restored. And I, I don't know, I don't have contact with the, the church there at the moment, but they, they were touched by the power of God that night. Just that, you know, this situation, that something good would come of it and that I was believing that they would have more, more children and, and everything around their life would be restored and and at that point, it sort of broke open the night and everybody was in tears, including me. And it's not a good thing when you necessarily, when you're, you're speaking and you can't really speak. But <laughs> when the Holy Spirit comes in, you don't really care. It's just, just amazing. And one of my favorite all-time verses is Isaiah 61, or passages. It talks of restoration. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. What I lo- well, there's lots of love about this, and that's a whole message in itself. But in ver- verse 3, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Jesus is the God of instead of. Instead of graveyard, tombstones, same, seated in his right mind. Instead of depression, positive mind, a refreshed mind, a whole mind. Instead of sick, healed. Instead of broken, fixed up. Instead of Ashes, the oil of joy, instead of mourning, a garment of praise. Instead of a spirit of despair, they'll be called oaks of righteousness. Find who the Lord for the display of his splendor. Just ask George to come up. Now, I suspect that this morning there'll be people that maybe you feel like you're at that extreme. Maybe you're somewhere in between. There's just maybe a small part where feel like you're in that storm or in that valley 
or in that graveyard, maybe you feel like the devil has stolen something from you, something that you rightfully is yours. John 10, 10, Jesus says, came to give life and life in abundance. I believe that this morning and the couple of minutes we have left is an opportunity to see people restored, to see situations restored. Just ask everybody to close their eyes this morning, just to just to focus on focus on him. And maybe you don't feel like you're demon possessed like the man in the graveyard but maybe you're struggling with your own personal demons. Maybe they're demons of failure, demons of guilt, of shame, remorse. Maybe you've sensed that these have dominated you, held you under their control, or maybe it's an addiction that you feel like you can't shake. Maybe you've always thought, I got myself into this, I can get myself out. But this might all come to an uneasy feeling see that the demons might still be there you're not healed and despite what the world may tell us we can't solve all our problems on our own there are demons in our life that only Jesus can heal if we dare to believe that believe that he can be the one that restores want to give an opportunity this morning maybe this is your first time at church maybe you've been in church for a while and you've never had an encounter with Jesus you've never met Jesus but you want to know more this, this Jesus that can turn a life around that can forgive sins that can set on a right path you want to meet and start a relationship with this Jesus in a moment I'll give you an opportunity to raise your hand and if there is anybody here like that this morning we'd love to pray with you something we do every week to give an opportunity we don't want to want to let a service go by without this opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour maybe you don't feel as destitute as that man in the graveyard but you've tried everything else tried all the answers the world can provide but you haven't yet tried Jesus. Maybe you have tried Jesus and walked away, gone through the graveyard, gone through the storms and want to come back and come running to him and say, it's now time to do it again. I just wonder if there's anybody here this morning that'd like to accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, accept his forgiveness for sins. i just ask you to raise your hand just right now, just nice and high. If there's anybody here this morning, another few moments we'll just ask everybody to stand please I'll just ask George to sing for us this morning just a bit of resurrecting I love this song it's fantastic by your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat The resurrected king is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected king is resurrecting me.
And whatever it, it might be, those personal demons, it might be any situation, guilt, remorse, failure. Jesus, his presence is here this morning to restore, to restore that has been stolen, to restore it unto you even many times over. It's beyond healing. It's, it's a correction. It's a correction in the spiritual. It's a correction in the physical. Let's just sing this this morning. Resurrecting me in your name.